A lot of people are worried about TikTok these days. Government officials are concerned that the Chinese government could use the app to spy on Americans. Congress is talking about banning it. But Americans actually use a lot of apps that are made in China. In fact, the four most downloaded apps in March all have Chinese roots. There's Timu, an e-commerce platform. If you guys have seen my videos in the past, um, I have reviewed some stuff from Timu. It is a legit website. There's CapCut, an app for editing videos. CapCut is completely free video editing software, and it's actually really good. And then there's TikTok itself, of course. Girl, don't do it. It's not worth it. I'm not going to do it, girl. And the fourth most downloaded app is the ultra-cheap Chinese retailer Shein. I have a huge Shein haul for y'all today. So let's unbox all of this and see what I got. So why are all these Chinese apps taking off in the U.S.? And will they encounter the same scrutiny as TikTok? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, March 31st. Coming up on the show, the rise and uncertain future of Chinese apps in America. This episode is brought to you by AARP. They have reskilling courses and career tools to help your income live as long as you do. The younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Chinese apps are growing really fast in the U.S. One reason is because the companies that make them cut their teeth in a highly competitive environment. The Chinese market became a perfect training ground for those Chinese tech companies. To survive, they have to compete ferociously for new users. That's our colleague Shen Lu. She says the tech industry in China is a notoriously intense place to work. So before 2021, there is a term that was well-known within China's tech industry. It was 996, and that means people worked starting from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., and that they worked six days a week. And that was a regular work week for a lot of Chinese tech workers. That sounds awful. It does. It does. It's insane. And in 2021, a Chinese court ruled that 996 was illegal. And so some companies stopped doing that, but some companies continued with this 996 regime. During those long hours, Chinese tech workers are constantly making tweaks to their apps. They often use the term embroidery to describe making small improvements stitch by stitch. The companies do a lot of testing, get a lot of user feedback, a lot of A-B testing. That's embroidery. It's built on long hours pulled by their engineers and products to refine, fine-tune their app features. And these workers aren't just competing with other Chinese tech companies. They're also competing with their colleagues. It's a practice commonly known as horse racing. Different teams compete with each other for the same design or for the same feature. Only the winning team 
gets the resource to push ahead their design. Yeah, it sounds like they have so many employees working so many hours that they've got teams of people working on the same problem at the same time just to see who can come up with the best solution. Right. And the final decision is not a manager or not a person. It's it's data. They have sophisticated systems and protocols and metrics to test user preferences, to get user feedback, and only the feature or the product that performs the best will win. So what is this intense culture and the horse racing and the embroidery mean for users of these apps? Users will find the apps really easy to use, and users will find the apps very efficient and even addictive a little. They will spend, if they like the app and the features, and they will spend longer time on the app. And that's what the companies want. One Chinese company that's employed this playbook successfully is called PDD Holdings. It's the parent company of Timu, that e-commerce app that's taking off in the U.S. We'll talk more about Timu in a bit. In China, PDD made a name for itself in e-commerce with an app called Pinduoduo. Pinduoduo sort of came out of nowhere. China already had two established e-commerce giants, Alibaba and JD.com. But now it's rivaling Alibaba and JD.com and eating into the e-commerce market share. To win over customers, PDD did something that a lot of Chinese tech companies do. It went big on advertising. From 2017 to 2020, it spent a lot of money to attract users to Pinduoduo. They spend so much on marketing, their marketing expenses often exceeded its revenue. But during that period, during that three years, their active users more than tripled. Wow, so they're spending more on marketing than they even earn in revenue? Right. And people thought, how on earth is this company going to turn a profit? But then this company turned a profit starting in the second quarter in 2021. But there is a limit on how much an app like Pinduoduo can expand within China. I mean, in the old days, um, when there were not many people in China had smartphones, they had the entire China market to conquer. But now that market is getting saturated with so many players competing for internet users. They have to go overseas. One of the most lucrative overseas markets is the U.S. But expanding to the U.S. is a little complicated. Chinese companies aspire to be the next TikTok, but they also are wary of the kind of geopolitical backlash that TikTok was facing. After the break, how Chinese tech companies are trying to avoid the scrutiny that TikTok is facing. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into the obvious. Learn more at C3.ai. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One of the Chinese companies trying to figure out how to grow globally is PDD Holdings, the parent company of the e-commerce app Pinduoduo. Last September, PDD launched a U.S. version of the app called Timu, and it quickly rose to the top of the charts. Timu is an e-commerce marketplace that sells ultra-affordable everything, from dog leash to clothes to kitchen gadgets. Like, how affordable are we talking? Last I checked, you could get a dog leash for under $2. Under Wow. Okay. That's really cheap. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling up their website right now. Stuff for your patio from 29 cents. Some small string of Christmas lights for 78 cents. This is wild how cheap this stuff is. Right. I mean, it, it's not like Amazon where you could get your stuff in like one day or two days. You have to wait, I think on average, maybe nine days to 10 days to get your delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, That's because the stuff is shipped from China. And people are willing to wait for nine days because the price is so low. How is Timu able to sell products for such a low price? Oh, it's leveraging China's supply chain. They are connecting manufacturers or sellers directly with users. They cut out the middleman. Timu is also going big on marketing following the playbook of its parent company back in China, PDD. I mean, its ads are everywhere. You know, targeted emails, Facebook banners, Instagram ads, YouTube ads, and also its very, very first Super Bowl commercial in February. And that's expensive. I think I remember this ad. This was the buy like a billionaire ad? Yeah, 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 that one. When Shen Lu first heard about Timu, though, she says it actually wasn't clear it had connections to China or to PDD. According to its website, Timu is based in Boston. When it was first launched, the website did not mention its ties to PDD or its ties to Pinduoduo, its sister platform in China, or its ties to China at all. And it only said in its fine print that the company's American business uh, was handled by a Delaware-registered company, and its business outside of the U.S. was handled by a Singapore-based entity. My colleague had to dig into Singapore's corporate registry. He found that the Singapore entity's representative is a PDD executive. So it was really hard for us to make that connection between Timu and PDD at the beginning. It wasn't until months after it launched that Timu acknowledged its ties to PDD on its website. What's the significance of that? Why is it that Timu initially seemed to be obscuring a little bit its connections to China? 
we asked that question, <laughs> but they never, of course, they never responded. But um, the thinking behind distancing from its Chinese roots is probably they have seen the treatment TikTok had received in the U.S. The sort of geopolitical backlash TikTok was subject to, Timu must have been aware of that. Timu and its parent company PDD didn't respond to a request for comment. The U.S. officials see TikTok almost as a tool of the Chinese government as if there is, you know, some sort of pipeline between the government and TikTok. U.S. officials have repeatedly cited concerns over China's national security law, which requires companies to turn over customer data if Beijing asks for it. House lawmakers hammered TikTok CEO Shou Chu about this in a hearing last week. TikTok has repeatedly censored or deamplified content that is critical of Chinese Communist Party's pol- party policies in the U.S. and abroad. Are you aware of those reports? Yes or no? Do any ByteDance employees in China, including engineers, currently have access to U.S. user data? You keep calling it a private enterprise, but all the countries in the world are saying it's not a private enterprise, it's part of the Chinese Communist Party. What say you, sir, yes or no? Is it part of the Chinese Communist Party, as everybody thinks, or are you still living in some mystical world? I disagree with many conclusions. So you're living in the mystical world, I yield back. The White House has threatened to ban TikTok if its parent company, ByteDance, doesn't sell its stake in the app. The company has said it would not share customer data with the Chinese government, even if asked for it. The Chinese government said it would never require companies to illegally gather data from overseas. Meanwhile, some lawmakers in the Senate are also considering a blanket ban of a lot of Chinese technology and apps. How do you think the debate around TikTok has influenced the strategy of Chinese companies as they try to expand into the U.S.? They're doing it in a way that's really low-key. They're reluctant to show their Chinese identity, if not hiding their identity. They're downplaying their connections to China. And they, you know, Timu would emphasize on its website that data is encrypted, your data is safe. Stuff like that. Is it going to work, though? That's a billion-dollar question. Xi'an, the clothing retailer, has also distanced itself from China. It moved its headquarters and is now based in Singapore. Xi'an didn't respond to a request for comment. Timu and Xi'an are both e-commerce companies, so they don't risk the same sort of scrutiny that TikTok faces over content moderation. But they could still draw concerns about cybersecurity. E-commerce companies have people's credit card information and then addresses. I kind of think that they probably would get into bigger trouble if they become as popular as TikTok. And so the really big question is, what does the future hold for these Chinese apps in the U.S.? U.S.-China geopolitics is something Chinese companies have to deal with and have to deal with with a lot of strategies and resources if they want to expand into U.S. market. And it's, it's creating a lot of headaches for them. They are kind of caught in the crossfire of U.S.-China competition, of U.S.-China tension.
That's all for today, Friday, March 31st. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Kate Leinbaugh and me, Ryan Knudsen. The show is produced by Annie Baxter, Ariana Bow, Catherine Brewer, Maria Byrne, Pia Gadkari, Rachel Humphreys, Brendan Klinkenberg, Matt Kwong, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, Pierce Singy, Jivika Verma, Lisa Wang, and Catherine Whalen, with help from Jonathan Sanders. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Peter Leonard. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Marcus Bagala, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, Blue Dot Sessions, and So Wiley. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.